Hello there and welcome to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Today is a canon catch-up episode. Um, Today we're going to be talking about Aftermath by Chuck Wendig. Uh, Aftermath being the first book in the Aftermath trilogy, which uh, released on September the 4th, 2015. Um, And to talk Aftermath with me today, um, we've got three guests with me today so first off we've got uh, mr johnny o uh, you'll also know him as starbird files on instagram how you doing johnny uh, good thank you glad to be here great glad to have you here we also have connor from connor's bookshelf with us as well how you doing connor i'm doing good excited to talk about some aftermath today connor you also have your own book podcast as well don't you book ascendancy Yes, I do. And it's been a lot of fun recording those episodes with um, Admiral Reeds, if you know who that is over on Instagram. Yeah, great. And we also have Chris, as per usual, is also here. How are you doing, Chris? What up? I'm good. (laughs) Chris is, of course, SW Book Collector, but I'm assuming you're used to his voice by now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, right, so just before we jump into it, I will just set the scene for listeners. So um, Aftermath is set just a matter of months after episode six. Uh, the synopsis is uh, trapped on an isolated world. A desperate group of rebels is all that stands between the galaxy's freedom and the Empire's fury. Um, this has been quite a, an important trilogy in the new canon. Um, one of the few bits of... Uh, book material that Filoni and Favreau have actually referenced in the Mandalorian uh, universe. And J.J. Abrams. Uh, and J.J. Abrams as well. Uh, this tied into the Journey to the Force Awakens line of publishing uh, in the same way that a lot of the books that we've been covering recently on um, Canon Catch-Up have. Um, this one being set very close to the original trilogy makes a decision to predominantly focus on a cast of new characters with the exception of characters like Wedge and then we get a few sort of cameo appearances from other characters but it's predominantly a new cast. Um, how did you guys feel about the fact that this book had its a chose to go with a new cast of characters um, and did you like them and who was your particular standout? I'll start with you Johnny. Uh, yeah I know a lot of people kind of didn't like were disappointed you know because they were expecting the big three but I personally loved it. I always like getting new characters and I felt it kind of helped to open up the story and the new kind of like era to have it through the eyes of new characters who and like their perspective on everything that's going on and you and you get a variety of perspectives from those characters um yeah plus you get you know little dashes of little sprinkling of people you already know like Akbar and Mon Mothma and a little bit of Han and Chewie even um, yeah. Uh, in terms of my favourite characters or standout characters, it's tough because like the main little group of characters, um, I, I really like them all. Um, I think in this particular book, um, Temin or Snap Wexley and his mum Nora are probably my favourites uh, from this yeah. one, and I love the fact that they'd used a character that was in The Force Awakens. I can't remember whether I read this before or after seeing the movie but i know it's the first canon book that i bought um i think <laughs> mr bones is just hilarious um, oh yes yeah. shinjir is probably my favorite character across the whole trilogy but like saying this mm-hmm. book is snap and nora that i like the best 
Uh, Jazz is just kind of there. Um, <laughs> I, I don't dislike her, but I was just never that particularly interested in her for some reason. Uh, and Sloane, uh, Ray Sloane, um, from the Imperial side of things, is just, I think, one of my favourite like Imperial characters from yeah. you know books or live action or anything. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Connor, what about you? I when I got this book, I didn't realize it was about different characters. I like fully expected like Luke, Leia, and Han. And so when I read it, I was really surprised. But I did like mm-hmm. these new characters. Um, Mr. Bones, of course, is amazing. I think he's probably one of my favorite characters, <laughs> if you can call him a character. Um, yeah. And over with the Imperials, I love Ray Sloan just because she is in so many other pieces of media. Um, I'm not sure if this was her first appearance or not but i know it was one of her earlier D- appearances i think new dawn was her first appearance okay i believe so um, still and then it would have been this yeah okay so on the earlier side of her kind of appearing in things um i really liked yeah. her and a character that just really interested me and i kind of wanted to know more about him um his name is escaping me but the advisor to palpatine who's kind of like you know a force uh... prophet kind of guy and i can't and quite remember his lupe, name lupe lupe tasho tasho yeah. 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 yeah he really interested me just because a lot of <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> <laughs> okay, he may, okay, okay he may be a little <laughs> he might be a little out there but <laughs> he just the things he said and just yeah i was always very interested in like what his motivations were and just what kind of drove him because he just really was so yeah. standout and different from all the other He's Imperials. He's a bit of a, a Sith fanboy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Chris, what about you? Mate, so it's all about, especially in the first book, Nora and Ray Sloan. Like uh-huh. that, that kind of like, they, they don't really butt heads much in this one, but that sort of budding rivalry, you know, uh, is so good. So good. Mm-hmm. Not Nora is a really, really underrated character. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's a shame that we've only really got her in this. I know she kind of showed up briefly in Resistance Reborn and the Pro Dameron comics, but they were made, they were just cameos essentially. But she is such a great leading character. Mm-hmm. She's strong. She's real. You know, she's made mistakes. Oh God. Yeah, a wonderful character, absolutely great. And Ray Sloan is the best new canon character, along with probably Afra, in my opinion. Yeah, I know you're a big Ray Sloan fan, yeah. Love Ray Sloan. Um, like everything that this book sets up, like obviously you mentioned that uh it obviously it's referenced in The Mandalorian and it's referenced in The Rise of Skywalker. Um but it's it's not just that. Um obviously you mentioned uh, what's this uh lupe what fiasco sorry <laughs> luke tashu that's it so it's, it's not the chicago rapper then lupe fiasco no, right? yeah yeah no. Bush, no um that guy lupe fiasco his the storyline with him that starts in this um obviously led on to shadow of the sith didn't it as well so yeah it's really fascinating stuff really great stuff couldn't you couldn't ask for a better cast of characters? I don't know if that's evident in the first book, because mm-hmm. um, I think people rightfully have some issues with the first book. But what a great cast of characters, anyway. Generally, 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I pretty much um, agree with everyone else. I, when I first picked up this book, and this was actually my first Star Wars book that I had read, sort of period, I just sort of saw Aftermath. I was like, oh, this is going to be the sort of post-episode six book. And like you, Connor, I assumed I'd be picking up Han, Luke, Leia. And when it wasn't, it was a bit of like a, oh, okay. But by the end of this book, I was had completely fallen in love with this new cast of characters. And then, you know, obviously in future episodes, we'll be talking about the whole trilogy. And um, throughout this trilogy, I think they do become sort of one of my favorite sort of found family teams um, in, in Star Wars. I think Nora probably is sort of the, the beating heart of this book, Nora and Temin. But for me, I think my standout in this book and probably across all three of them is Sinjir. I think Sinjir is such an interesting character. His introduction in this book with him sort of sat at the bar, um, just drinking and um, dealing with like Imperials who come in and like sort of like, they, they sort of like half recognize him. Um, and then he sort of just beats them up and, walks out um i just thought it was such a compelling introduction and i just think he's a fascinating character and he does get way better explored in the subsequent books but i did just absolutely love um Sinji's introduction in this and obviously a special shout out to mr bones as well i'm i'm a huge mr bones <laughs> fan um the the killer uh b1 battle droids is genius uh that um Sinjir introduction I remember being really quite eye-opening because it was probably the first time we'd seen uh, an ex-imperial officer in that way yeah um living with that obviously he was an ISB officer wasn't he before so, uh, yeah loyalty officer yeah loyalty officer so obviously he was he tortured people he extracted information and to see him kind of live with that and and also be on the back foot, being the one that has to hide who he is, was was genuinely new for me in Star Wars. Obviously, we've yeah. seen it since, but at the time, was so felt so fresh and original. It was mm. it was great, really great. Um, and and just just before we move on to the next bit, obviously this this book features a lot of interludes and we'll talk about the interludes more going forward but did you have a, a favorite sort of surprise appearance in the interludes just based on characters that appeared i'll quickly go around around the group as well johnny oh gosh you put me on the spot there uh, gosh uh <laughs> oh there's a not so much in terms of a character but they, like just the fact there's one on Coruscant, isn't there an interlude? And they mention yeah, level thirteen, 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 and yeah. Dexter's diner. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I really like that. Um, yeah, Connor, what about yourself? Uh, definitely the one with Han, Han and Chewie. Um, they're on the Falcon. Yeah, that was just it. Felt it felt like coming home a little bit. Yeah. And Chris, did you have a particular one that you really liked? I can't remember if it's an interlude or if it's just part of the book, but the chapters with Leia. Was that uh, an interview interlude, or was it just the book? I think that's life debt, isn't it? Is I don't it? Think she's in this. She's not in this one, is she? Yeah, I don't think she's in this one. Yeah. Well, um, whatever. Then. The second one. <laughs> 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 I think she's um, in the first I mean, one. Definitely mentioned. In the Mon Mothma. Yeah, Mon Mothma's yeah. in an interlude. Yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. that one. Uh, the first Cobb Vanth one was really good. Yes. Um, yeah. 
that's one that always stuck with me, like to the point when he was announced the Mandalorian, I was I was instantly like, that's that guy from Aftermath, because his first <clears throat> the subsequent stories of his in the other two books aren't quite as good, but his first one in this yeah. is really good. Um yeah, I think and it's then, the best of the three as well. Yeah, and the Massa Meadow. Again, is that is that one of the other ones? I think mm. that's life day again. Oh, damn it. <laughs> 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 um but the whole mass no, meta angle was really good though whichever book it's in but no i'll um yeah i'll echo what you said chris i think my favorite interlude character is cob vamp in this uh, i after reading this trilogy i really liked cob vamp as a character and then before mando season two came out there were all these rumors going about that like, oh, boba fett was going to be in it because like they've seen boba fett's armor on set and I was going on my like whole book nerd thing, being like, it's not going to be Boba Fett, it's going to be Cobb Vamp. And knowing full well that they were going to completely ignore him. And then when he actually turned up in the show, I was like, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's read the book. <laughs> Just punching yeah, the That was oh a really God. cool moment for book yeah. fans. That was yeah. that vindication, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it was like we felt really recognised at that stage. <clears throat> yeah. um, it lasted about five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously his backstory in the show is slightly different. How he got mm. the armor is slightly different to the book, and I do prefer the book version. Yeah, um, just because it's brutal of just him gunning the guy down in order to get the armor. But that's ah, fine. We got something. Yeah, yeah, it's that same kind of thing as the whole Kane and Bad Batch thing, where ultimately it's the same character and the end result's the same. Just the sort of intermediate details aren't quite aren't quite there. Yeah. Which one's the Jar Jar interlude in? Uh, Life debt again. The third yeah. one, I think. Oh no, maybe it's yeah. Empire's NJ. Yeah. It's definitely one of the right. later ones. Okay. Yeah. Ignore me. Because <laughs> the, the Naboo, Naboo is in this one. Yeah. But it's the it's the kids, sort of like the orphan kids who are being like to, sent like, around to places. Yeah. yeah. Sent around for the rebellion, and they've ended up on Naboo. Um, anyway, we will dive into that a little bit more. Um, this obviously, this book is titled Aftermath, uh, and it's obviously telling the aftermath story of the original trilogy. Um, how how do you guys feel about the way that the this this book in particular, not the trilogy as a whole, but this book in particular, told the aftermath story? Did you like this version of the post? episode six era because obviously this is different to the legends post episode six era both from the new republic's point of view and the empire's point of view and sort of on top of that we'll, we'll dive into like the interludes as well which do a bit of a job of setting the scene of the era um i'll start with you johnny first uh yeah i liked it i mean i'd never really read much of the legend stuff that was set you know closer to the original trilogy but um i, enjoy, I enjoyed the way it set up uh, what was to come, and um, just it makes it, it always made sense to me that you got this big, you got a galaxy. It's not the empire's not just going to all fall at once. Um, yeah. So, and I, I enjoyed like the well, the characters, the main characters within it showed kind of different aspects of it. Obviously, Nora was a rebel. Um, Shinji, like we said, was an imperial. Um, you've got Sloane with the Imperial remnants and like the politics of that and you know the kind of backstabbing and people vying for power I found really interesting. Um, all the kind of New Republic stuff um, that you especially get in the interludes 
is interesting and I think it's still kind of being um, used to inform what they're doing now with like Ahsoka and, you know, the Mandalorian and all that. Um, yeah. To what we're currently seeing. Um, yeah, and it just, just, the way they use the interludes to show, you know, some people are free, some people are like, still need to, you know, fight or need help from the rebellion to get free. And then, you know, you've got people that are in slavery and all that. And, uh, so, yeah, I find it really interesting the way they set it up um, going forward um, and and the way that's still being used now. Yeah, yeah. Connor, how about you? Well, I'm not going to try to compare it to the old legend stuff because if I start talking about it to the Empire and Thrawn, we're going to be here all day. But um, I feel like <laughs> these books take a very like personal kind of approach to the aftermath story. Like aside from the interludes, the story feels like very personal, like Nora, she's trying to get back to her family. That's all she wants, but she's being, you know, pulled back in to everything that's happening. We go over mm-hmm. to Sloan. Yeah. She just wants not, not exactly her family back, but she just wants the empire back. She wants to know where do I go from here? How are we going to continue to rule in a sense? Um, and I feel like each character has a very personal kind of story and how they're personally dealing with the aftermath of the war. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Chris? <clears throat> yeah. It's really, it works really well. I mean, one of the things that really got me, like Johnny was saying about the interludes, you can tell that, that the interludes, the idea of it is just to create create like a a wide-ranging picture of the galaxy at large and what's yeah. happening. Um, that is the aftermath, isn't it? It's not so much your Nora character and your Temin storyline. That's that's your personal story. But the actual main aftermath part is is the interludes. Um, and it's it has it reads very differently. This book does, and a lot, I know it's received a lot of criticism, and it's quite a polarizing book. But the way it's written is just epic. It feels cinematic. Yeah, and I feel like that really came across when you when you get this and uh, Shattered Empire together. I think those two things really create like a really nice picture of what the galaxy was like after Return of the Jedi and the Battle of Endor. Um, yeah, really, really good. I mean, the one thing I'll say on the Legends thing is you can tell that Chuck Wendig was a fan of the Legends stuff because a lot of the stuff here, a lot of it's original and it's very. It's very unique to canon, but a lot of it as well really takes its cues from Legends, um, from Edge of the Empire and the Rose Squadron books as well, um, yeah. with the whole um, Fractured Empire, the Warlord situation about how there's just kind of like islands of Warlords who are trying to wrest control of their systems and stuff. That's all straight from Legends. Um, yeah. Legends is <clears throat> and... exactly the same thing. Yeah, and obviously... At the end of this book, we're very, very briefly introduced to um, Gallius Rax, who becomes the main villain of this trilogy. And I mean, I'm sure you guys agree this is Chuck Wendig being told you're not allowed to use Thrawn. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. So, so come up with someone who's basically not basically Thrawn, but yeah, get not blue is is white boy Thrawn. <laughs> That's what he yeah. is. Um. Although, obviously, in further books, um, them tying him into Jakku, I do find really interesting. Um, but no, I, I agree. I Because I had never read Legends when I read this, this, for me, was my version of, like, post-Episode 6. Like This still is my version of post-Episode 6. Um, and I really, really like it. I, I, Johnny made a point earlier that, you know, it makes sense that 
the Galactic Empire didn't fall overnight. Um, and to me, this this book and a lot of the stuff that ties into this aftermath era from the video games like Star Wars Squadrons, Battlefront 2, the comics, Shattered Empire that Chris mentioned, um, all work really nicely to tell this story that obviously leads up Lost to the Battle of Jakku. Well. And Lost Stars, of course, yeah. That all obviously lead up to the Battle of Jakku. Um, and I think tell a really, really interesting story. So I, I do really like this book. Um, I was surprised when I found out how much criticism this book had received at the time, because I think it really was an expectation game. But I think when you, as Connor said, when you look at this book as a story, a personal story of these characters surviving in the aftermath of the war, I think it, it is a really interesting book. Um, just Just out of interest is... Is this book, Aftermath, your least favourite of the trilogy, guys? Yes. No. No. Oh, okay. Johnny? <laughs> My least favourite is Life Debt. Right, okay. And Connor, are you the same then? Yeah, I don't really like Life Debt as much as this one. Yeah, this is right. like in the middle of the three. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's favourite is Empire's End, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Empire's End is, notch- this is the whole notch above though, isn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah. So for so for me, I think this is my least favorite of the three. But I actually really love this whole trilogy, and I do think that this trilogy we're continuing to see in live action today how important this trilogy is, and how it is one of the few things that continues to get referenced. Um, so I, I do really do really like this era. Um, were there I, any? Um, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was like, can I touch on? Can you mention about the criticism of the book? Can I touch on that for a second? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So just to create a bit of context, you've got to think this was the first major book in canon. I, I know we've spoke about other things like New Dawn and the Red and Black trilogy and Tarkin and stuff like that, but this was the first major book that was set after Return of the Jedi, and it was the first kind of like landmark book. Yeah. So a lot of people went into it wanting to hate it so we've seen this with the high republic um a lot of disgruntled legends fans or eu fans at the time went into this wanting to dislike it because it was going to discount air to the empire trilogy for one it was going to discount the rose squadron books and the jedi apprentice series and it was going to set up this new thing so a lot of people went into it looking for issues so when you put that next to the fact that it's written in first, but no, it's not first person. It's like a second present, book. present tense, present tense, present yeah. tense. So you got that as well, and then the fact that it had the interludes, which doesn't become clear until about halfway through the book, that they are interludes, because you have interlude, and then you have it introduces you to Sinjir, and then you have interlude introduces you to Nora, and you don't realize, oh no, this is my crew. Yeah. And they start coming together, the rest are interludes. So you put together that kind of like unwieldy feeling of the first half of the book that it all just feels like they're introducing like a billion characters to you. Um, and then you put in the fact that Sinjir was the first gay character of canon. And mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't like that. And then when you put into the fact that Chuck Wendig was mm. quite vocal on social media <laughs> yeah. and would openly fight with people <laughs> and claim they were homophobic and things like that so I mean, you got you know what the Star Wars fan base is like 
That would quite yeah. work if there's a woman on the front cover of a book. <laughs> like a, just a woman. Yeah. Um, like like they yeah. don't exist or something. Um, so, yeah, it just became this massive cluster, you know, fuck, essentially. Um, but you tend to find that the people from around that time still openly hate, still openly hate this. New canon readers that are reading this now tend to love it because they're so separated from all of that. Yeah, and I think I think it has gained. I think it, it now is more regarded as a as a much more popular trilogy now than I think it would have been at the time. I think certainly when I speak to other bookie people, like aftermath is not something that people are like, oh aftermath. It's like oh yeah, aftermath is like another one of the great top trilogies that we've got. Yeah, um, it tends to be your non-readers and your legends fans that massively hate it more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the other sort of things that this book had um, maybe working against it on its release was this was, you know, there was Lost Stars, there was the Red and Black trilogy, all all with the Journey to the Force Awakens sort of banner on it. But this was the main one that Lucasfilm at the time was pushing as like, you know, read this book to sort of see what's going on in the sequels. Um, And obviously it didn't really do that. Um, So do you guys think that that, journey to the force awakens banner on this one was misleading do you think it was necessary how, how do you think that banner worked for or against the book johnny i'll start with you um was it misleading probably um obviously the trilogy as a whole very much leads towards but after the first book you're not necessarily yeah gonna be thinking that um but uh, for me i i I mean, it didn't bother me. I don't know if I even noticed the journey to Force Awakens better on it initially. Um, but and it, yeah, like we said, it kind of it does set up the galaxy the way the galaxy is going. Uh, by the time you get to the Force Awakens, um, mm-hmm. so it, it didn't really bother me. But it probably didn't help itself. I guess having that on it. Yeah. But it's yeah. Cool. It's just at the end of the day, it's marketing. You know, yeah, yeah, to sell exactly. more copies of the book. So, yeah. <laughs> Connor, how did you feel about it? I feel a very similar way. The book doesn't really connect to The Force Awakens as much unless you're looking at all three together and then you kind of start to see it. But I think by the time I'd read this, I'd either seen The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi or only The Force Awakens. I'm not sure which year it was. So at that point, it didn't really matter to me as much. And I was just like, oh, look, a Star Wars book. And it's between the movies. Let's check it out. So not didn't yeah. really bother me but i don't really feel like it connects to the force awakens without everything together yeah and chris what about yourself yeah same thing it doesn't really it the trilogy massively does yeah the empire's end massively connects to the force awakens um and uh, it's not only just with the jakku link and the contingency plan it's not even just that it's the han and leia relationship starts to lay seeds the fact that Ben Solo's mentioned in those books as she's pregnant with him. Um, yeah. And she actually gives birth in, in the second one, doesn't she, to him. Um, it's, but yeah, this doesn't at all. Yeah. It, obviously, it didn't bother me. It's it's funny how you, it's funny chatting to you guys because I had a completely different relationship with this. So I read this book in 2020. As I said, it was the first time I'd picked up a Star Wars book. Being a Star Wars fans since i was a kid and for some reason never read a star wars book until 2020 and i picked up this book first because this was like the big sort of important 
trilogy. So Journey to the Force Awakens on the front. I literally a month or two after having just seen Rise of Skywalker, I was like, right, this is gonna sort of start to lay down some of the the, the seeds for this for this uh, new trilogy for the sequels. And I <laughs> so I read the whole book. I was like, oh, I love this, but where's where's the where's the Force Awakens bit? And I don't know if this says something about my intelligence or not, but I got to that final chapter and I genuinely thought the mysterious Imperial character was Snoke. This is Snoke, isn't it? <laughs> I was, I was, you know what? A lot of people did. You can't really blame yeah. me. A lot of people thought that Gaius Rax would become Snoke. Yeah, yeah. I think so yeah, I remember I was like, that being oh. a theory, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, cool, this is tiny. This is really tiny and awesome. So then I went and picked up the next book. And then I was like, oh, wait, who's this Gallius Rax fella? I thought it was Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that element maybe did mislead me a little bit, but it, it doesn't subtract from from my joy. And I actually ended up going on to really love that character of Gallius Rax across the three books. Um, but I do think there's there are elements that I picked on when re-listening to this book this week, which tie into the sequels more than I, I thought it would. Um, so I guess just sort of to move on to the next stage of the discussion, I just thought I'd sort of see if we could pick up on any sort of the, because this book's got a huge amount of canon connections in terms of, you know, mentions of other characters and, and stuff like that. And I, I just thought I'd sort of throw it out to you guys to to see whether there's anything that you'd like to mention in terms of canon connections, but I'll just quickly say that there was the scene with uh, Yupe Tasho or Lupe Fiasco, whatever we're calling him, <laughs> um, where, they're, where they're talking about the dark side. And he's talking about the dark side with Sloan and Pandion and all the other Imperials. And he mentions that like Palpatine has been sending scientists out into the unknown regions to make labs and to do research and all that sort of stuff. Which to me was like, oh wait, that's that's Exegol, right? <laughs> Did Chuck Wendig know about Exegol back then? I doubt it, but <laughs> it works. No, I mean the, the whole the whole contingency thing is Exegol. It is Snoke. It, it is that. It's the birth of the First Order, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's not explicitly said, but it clearly is. Um, and not only just that, I mean, it sets up the Mandalorian, doesn't it? Because this is the whole. The Shadow Council stuff, isn't it? All comes from this. Comes from this directly, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to, if you've got any um, sort of ca- nice, neat little canon mentions or connections you'd like to throw out? Well, I mean, yeah, like I said, the uh, Shadow of the Sith one's quite a big one. I didn't well, expect that. We've got a few in here, don't we? Because we have the first interlude with the Acolyte of the Beyond. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously led to the the main storyline in Shadow of the Sith, which is a which is an extremely well loved book. Um, so without this book, that wouldn't exist. Would it? Or would yep. be vastly different. Um, that's a great thing. And um, I just remember another interlude, interlude actually that I really liked. Wasn't there one where there's like a family on like a farm, and then there's two brothers, and one yeah, one's yeah, on the Salukamai. Yeah, one's unlike the Empire and the other one's a rebel yep. and he like yeah. dobs him in. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember that one being quite good and powerful. But anyway. And they they mention there's a nice little canon bit there. They mention old man cut as well. Yeah, yeah they do, don't they? Yeah. Cut 
Cutler Quain yeah. from the Clone yeah, Wars. Yeah, because Salukamai is where he li- lived when he left, you know. When he had the kids. With his stuff. family or whatever, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah that was wicked, that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, and obviously the biggest, biggest ones really are... I don't know if this is a canon connection, but it's a, a connection which needs mentioning, which you haven't mentioned so far. And I apologise if you've got no question about this. But Wedge, the yeah. whole the whole Wedge mm. storyline is, you know, the closest tie to the original trilogy we can. It's it's a massive link to um, Legends with the Rose Squadron books. Yeah. He's a very different guy in this than he is in that. I feel like this actually captures Wedge better than the Rose Squadron books did. Um, I really like Wedge in the Rose Squadron books, but he always felt like a different character, whereas this definitely feels like the Wedge from the movies. Um, Yeah, obviously that whole Wedge storyline was really good, and that absolutely ties into it. And we see that again, that Wedge storyline and the conclusion of that in Resistance Reborn, don't we? Later down the line, for that kind of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Connor, have you got any... any points that you remember the interlude with mon mothma was that in this one it was yeah Yeah. okay then i'll go with that i know she talks about establishing the senate on chandrilla and that kind of brings us to where they are in the force awakens when the first order destroys that entire system well i yeah so this is what i get confused at and we were having a bit of a debate with um other johnny Journals of the World. I mean, Johnny was having a massive debate with himself, and we kind of witnessed it (laughs) (laughs) about like so. So the Galactics, the New Republic Senate moves about quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, Mm. right. So as you said, Connor, Mon Mothma starts it on Chandrilla. Yeah, is it in Life Debt or Empire's End? It moves to another planet. It moves to Nakadia. I think it's Empire's End. Yeah, Um, and then from there, it then rotates every election so i don't think it's every four years like like it would be over here but it's every so often it rotates to a different republic core world kind of like um the eu do you know what i mean where they have different the summit the eu summit will be in a different yeah. european country yeah. each time or right? the olympics or the olympics <laughs> i feel like my the eu is probably closer to the it's probably a more accurate representation <laughs> or the world cup or the Eurovision song contest but anyway um, um yeah, but so it moves. Because, uh, and then by the time we get to Force Awakens, it's Hosnian Prime, Prime, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Hosnian yeah. Prime. But then Johnny was annoyed that in Ahsoka it looks like it's Coruscant. they're on Coruscant when they shouldn't be on Coruscant. They well, should be on. I, that doesn't mean what we saw I mean, was maybe a military just... trial. Doesn't mean it's the government. That's what I said. Yeah, that's right. What that's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at his at, looking for an excuse to get angry at Felonia, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not everything's going to be like in the one place, isn't it? Especially in, in a republic yeah. of thousands of worlds and planets. Yeah, they're going to yeah, be you, moving around. You can move the, you can move the Senate around, but to move like the military bases around would be more, more difficult I would have thought, especially because you're going to have yeah. acad- training academies and like, yeah Oh, yeah, you've just reminded me of, of a point this is obviously the first mention that Mon Moff in that same interlude you're talking about Connor, this is the first mention Mon Moff has about demilitarising yeah. 
um, which obviously becomes uh, yes. very significant by the time we get to the sequels when the First Order arrive and there is no New Republic military. Um, so I guess that's another pretty significant I mean, yeah, that's, moment in here. That's what led to Leia creating the Resistance. And, and in Ahsoka right now as well. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where the Resistance I think, you know, came from. I think they talk about that in Last Shot a little bit as well. Good word. I can't yeah. remember that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but because because although Mon Mothma's only in I think the first one on there's several interludes on Chandra, and it kind of follows her PR person or her assistant yes, yeah. or whatever through. Yeah, PR like, person. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know, it, it, through those it kind of just shows more what's going on with the government and everything, and like say the de- Mon Mothma wanting to demilitarize and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so I'll I'll head around the group and just sort of ask you guys what your what your final thoughts on this book is uh and how likely you would be to to recommend it to someone who has never picked up a Star Wars book before. So I'll start with you, Johnny. Um I think it's a really good one to start off with. Um maybe Lost Stars first, but after that this is a good one to start with because you're following up what you know with Return of the Jedi and through the course of the trilogy, you then start to see where things are heading. Um, mm-hmm. And then in terms of the actual story, I think it's a really good one because you're introduced to all these really interesting characters. Um, it's kept, aside from the interludes, it's kept really like well contained. It's pretty much just on one planet or in space around it. So it keeps it quite like nice and neat um so it's a good one to to read first and it's quite a relatively easy read i think as well and connor what about yourself i think it lays a really good foundation for like the rest of this trilogy it sets everything up very nicely um the all the likable characters i'm not sure i'd recommend it as like a first star wars book i think i would also go to lost stars that's always the one i recommend um but it's yeah. definitely definitely one that you should read as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. And uh, Chris? Yeah. So if someone wanted, it depends on what they want. So, like I said, Lost Stars is an obvious one that most people recommend, or, you know, other things, High Republic, whatever. But if someone was like, I want to know, I want to get deep into the canon, you know, I want to know what happened, then this is, this is the most important trilogy. So I'd say, start here because then that kind of sets up this this world this new canon world is all set up in the aftermath trilogy and then from there go wherever you want whatever takes your fancy you know yeah this is very much like this sets the scene for the entire canon universe i'd say yeah and it's also because you don't need like some books you need to have watched more read more to get to fully appreciate but i think this one all you really need to have seen before is just like the original trilogy yeah and if you so haven't then why are you buying a star wars book yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah no absolutely yeah no i agree i i really like this book i think it's criminally underrated um mm. i do think it's the weakest of the trilogy in my opinion but i actually still really really like this book this is a book that I find myself recommending to my friends 
quite often. It's Lost Stars, it's Thrawn, and it's this one for me, like the three go-to that I'll always recommend. I think this trilogy as a whole cannot be... It cannot be said how significant this trilogy is to sort of like the entirety of Star Wars publishing since 2015. You know, when you get books like Resistance Reborn, which picks up on threads from this, the Star Wars Battlefront 2 campaign picks up on threads from this, Alphabet Squadron, um, Shadow of the Sith, I mean, Bloodline. Shadow of the Sith, Bloodline, exactly. The list goes on and on and on how much stuff references this trilogy and just gives you a better understanding of the galaxy post episode six so i do think it's really worth it and you will by the end of the trilogy absolutely fall in love with this group of characters if you haven't by the end of the first book i think they're a wonderful set of characters and i would always recommend reading it and i hope we get more of them i mean it's not only just that like if if you want to know more beyond the mandalorian and ahsoka and the sequel trilogy these are the books that will give you those answers if you want yeah. to know what all those weird cloning facilities are, who that Shadow Council is, all of that. It all comes from these from these three books and Bloodline, I'd say, um, really inform how the First Order came about. Because everyone all makes a criticism going, who are the First Order? They came out of nowhere, blah, blah, blah. Because the movies, I mean, I love the sequel trilogy, but they don't do a good explanation explaining who the First Order are. You don't need a massive explanation, but there's certain details um that you don't you just you wouldn't get unless you'd read this trilogy and bloodline and they yeah. really make the first order and the sequel trilogy better yeah i absolutely mm -hmm. agree yeah and and i i will confidently say that because it's actually becoming more and more obvious now that uh, favreau and feloni have actually read these books and intend to try and fit them in to their Mandoverse as much as possible. There will be stuff in these books that I think will be referenced further down the line, you know, whether it's in Filoni's new sort of heir to the Empire sort of film, whatever it is that he's doing. I do think elements of this book is going to be yeah. re relevant. If they wanted to, they could 100% put Sloan in. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't. Yeah. I would love it if they did. If only mainly because it would mean I'd be able to get a Sloan Black Series figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Sloan is obviously a character that, that they that, that's on their radar still because of squadrons and things like that. Like, and they know that people mm. love Sloan. I'm kind of yeah. Sloan I is I... my favorite Imperial. Yeah. Like I over mean, Thrawn. Yeah. yeah. I know we were <laughs> we were wrapping up and everything kind of, but like yeah, like the reaction Cobb Vance got. And he's just a little a guy in an interlude. If you got somebody yeah. like Sloan coming in to something like that, yeah, it'll just be, fiasco. people would lose their minds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of surprised Sloan. Sorry, Connor, I heard I heard you were gonna jump in there. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Sloan wasn't in that Shadow Council scene in the Mandalorian. Mm. That was a little surprising. Yeah, me too. I'm pretty sure I rewatched that scene of the Shadow Council and just like just making sure she wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> at the time i know i know why they didn't know it makes sense because if, if you're gonna have i mean at the end of spoilers if at the end of this book she goes off with brendel hooks into the unknown regions that's how it ends right and that's yeah, at the what, end of the trilogy yeah yeah the end of the trilogy and it's yeah. like that's what starts the first order yeah. and blah 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 um 
So if you're going to have one person represent them in a Mandalorian TV show, you're going to pick Hooks because 90% mm. of the people watching will recognize the name Hooks, whereas only 10% will be like, Ray Sloan. Yeah. But, but <laughs> as true. you said, she is literally yeah. with with Hooks. Yeah, she's Hooks' box at this point. Hooks his, hooks his bus. I mean, it's yeah. confirmed in the novel Phasma that she was the first leader of the First Order. Yeah, exactly. She was the first Supreme Chancellor. So, so you know, may, maybe we will, maybe we'll see more of Sloane in sort of coming Mandoverse stuff. I hope so, because I think if we can get Cobb Vanth, as you said, Johnny, if we can get Cobb Vanth, then <laughs> we should really be getting someone like Sloane in there. And and Sinjo Rathalus. I'm still fighting for live action Sinjo Rathalus. Oh, yeah. I think. Well, I, when we were talking about Ahsoka, I was like, he could show up because he's working for Mon Mothra at this point. Yeah. And when when Ahsoka is on, he's Sinjo is working for Mon Mothra. I hope it has been like yeah. five years, but yeah. Do you know? Just before we wrap up, my canon uh, brain uh, at the moment has it in my head that after senator ziono being a proper dick to hera he just gets pulled into an office by sinja raffalus and like, slapped up a little bit and told to stop being a dick yeah i'll see that i hope that's so. canon yeah oh, do you know what's um, really funny he's mentioning about him and this is not relevant to what we're talking about but the amount of comments i've seen i think going that guy's definitely an imperial he's working for the empire 100 percent. everyone's like but they're so obvious about it jesus disney rubbish i'm like He's not an imperial. He's just a dick. He's in resistance. He's just got yeah. a different opinion. He's in resistance. <laughs> yeah. It happens yeah. in politics. Yeah, he's just got a different opinion. Doesn't mean he's a Sith Lord. <laughs> Darth Ziono. Yeah, because he, he made he made valid points. Obviously, they have limited resources, don't they? So they can't just yeah. chase it on a rumor. Oh, yeah. oh, Chris, is this you being an imperial apologizer again? Uh, oh, oh no, yeah. no, I just want order, okay? <laughs> order creates peace. Uh, well, to bring it to bring about order, uh, we will end the episode there. I think. <laughs> um, thank you very much for uh, for joining joining me, guys. That was a great chat. It was good uh, chat aftermath. And whenever we get round to life debt and empire's end uh i will i will be summoning you all back to to do the next two books i know more Ooh. of those interludes and hopefully it'll be the interludes that chris were referencing today we'll actually get around to them next time <laughs> yeah um yeah. brilliant so i'll just go around everyone tell the people where they can find you if you want them to find you what you got going on johnny o uh yeah starboard at starboard files on uh instagram um facebook but if you go to Instagram, there's a link to everything there for all the places where you can find me. Um, so, yeah, that's the best place to find me. And Connor? Uh, you can find me at Connor's Bookshelf on Instagram. And also be sure to check out my podcast with Admiral Reed's Book Ascendancy. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to give that a listen. Yep, check them out. And Chris as well. Here in it. <laughs> Just here, in it? Yeah. <laughs> Always here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can find me, Dan, at Vader's Castle Library and also here, in it. Um, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Canon Catch-Up. Canon Catch-Up will be back next week to talk about the Servants of the Empire series. Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> Chris is excited about this one. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.